we are in a new series for the entire month called We Are the Bride of Christ. That we're his bride is what the Bible says. It says it in Revelations 19.7. It says, Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come. And his bride has made herself ready. That we are the bride of Christ. And Jesus tells the disciples that he is coming back for them. That you're not alone in this journey, but there's going to be a day where we're actually going to go to heaven. There will be no more tears, no more mourning, no more sickness, no more pain, no more addictions, no more confusion. Can I get an amen? Amen. That there will be a time where we actually get to be with Jesus and see him face to face. And he says that you're my bride and I'm coming back to you as a groom comes for their bride. And so over the last couple of weeks, we've been tagging this along with just different wedding symbolism. And the first week we had a, which is a jar that's back here on the table, you can check it out, where we all dumped little things of sand and made a unity jar saying that the uniqueness that is you has a place as the bride. How God has created us and we all make up the bride of Christ. And so it made this like really beautiful little unity jar. And so this week, I'm going to actually be talking about getting the bride ready for her big day. How many of you have ever been to a wedding? Go ahead and raise your hand. You're free to raise your hand if you've been to a wedding. If you haven't, okay. Most of us in the room have been to weddings. How many of you know that the wedding is not about the groom? <laughs> At all. At all. The show, the theatrics, the the date, the decor, the music, the colors. It's not about the groom. It's all about the bride. Jerry Seinfeld says that you can even see this so much that all the groom, the groom and the groomsmen are all dressed in the same thing. So if the groom doesn't show up, the next groomman can just move over in line. Like, I guess I'm marrying this woman. I don't know. It's that easy. The whole wedding is about the bride wearing her dress. It's about the dress. So much work goes into the dress. Guys just have the suit. Like, we just go and we pick up a suit. It's done. It's already created. We know what we're wearing. Women shop for, like, sometimes dream and shop for years to find the perfect dress. It's her dress. Walking down the aisle, everyone standing up. Oh, look at her dress. The guy sneaks in a wedding before anyone else is there. The next wedding you go to, I invite you to get there about 15 minutes early and watch what happens pre-service. Because the guy comes in, the groom comes in, and he stands there with the pastor. And every single wedding I've done, it's me and the groom standing there just looking around, you know, and everybody's standing, standing there or sitting there staring at you and you're just, just standing there, you know, just, and the groom's like kind of looking at you and trying to figure out what's happening. And we're just standing there waiting for something to happen. You know, what are you guys doing? Nothing much, just hanging around. We're just standing on the stage. That's at every single wedding that I've done at least. 
The groom waits with the minister. And we just stand there and wait. And I think maybe this is a lesson for men to learn like what the rest of your life is going to be like. <laughs> Getting married. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm just waiting for you. Just, where are we going? What do you want to do? It's a good lesson. Amen? Before she walks down the aisle, all the glitz and glamour and cameras flashing. There's a prep room for the bride. There's a makeup artist. There's a hair stylist. getting the shoes on to make sure everybody sees the shoes. I just want the brides to know, don't, don't spend a lot of money on your shoes. Nobody sees them. Nobody cares. We're chucks. Next time. Next time. No, next time. I don't know. But, um, okay, so. So much goes into getting the bride ready. If the groom goes and gets a haircut, they did a really good job. They pick up their tucks on time, they change the world. So much goes into getting the bride ready. The whole day, the whole ceremony, the event is about how beautiful the bride is coming down the aisle. And I've yet to perform a wedding that the groom isn't looking around for some emotional support when the bride comes in. Every single groom that I've uh, been on the stage with is looking at me to like help them and support them. It's like, I'm not able to do that for you. And uh, they're looking to me to like kind of comfort them in this time, like make eye contact. It's going to be okay. Most groom are, are crying. They don't know what to do with themselves. They've already been, I mean, they've already been standing out there for 15 minutes and everybody's staring at you. And then you, you have your bride coming in, the most beautiful part of your life, walking down the aisle. And most grooms start welling up with tears. And I want to bring you in on something, a little secret. As most of the time, I can't be there for the groom because I'm welling up with tears also. It's a really beautiful picture to, to be in this position to look at the bride coming in. And I think the main reason is, is because I know how much brides think about being ready for this day. How much works went into them choosing the dress and, and their friends supporting them and their family coming around alongside them. And I see this and then, and then I get to see, you know, a lot of times it's the father dropping off their daughter to to some guy that they're trusting. And so like, you know, the father stuff hits me hard too. And so most grooms are like looking to me to be supportive and I'm like, I'm doing everything I can to hold back my own tears. Finding a bride dressed and ready for marriage and the beauty of that. 
And Jesus calls us his bride. That we're beautiful in his eyes. And that you're everything that God could ever want. He's created and, and planned everything in your life just accordingly to bring you closer to him. He calls you his bride. He loves you that much. That he sacrificed everything to have us as his bride. To take us in and, and all the beauty of a wedding and everything going perfect in a wedding is Jesus coming back for his bride. And so what I'd like to talk about today is being dressed and ready for, the, for a groom. Being dressed and ready for, for Jesus. And Jesus tells his disciples how to do that. So the disciples got to walk with Jesus for three and a half years. And I mean physical Jesus. Jesus in the flesh. They got to hang out with God for three and a half years and walk and wake up in the morning and be with him. They left everything to do this. It's like the biggest adventure you could ever be called to, right? Jesus comes to him, handpicks him. I want you. Will you follow me? Will you follow me? Will you follow me? And they get to walk with him and see how he has compassion on crowds, to see him minister and heal people, and then, and then learn from his experiences too. And so this is the disciples' adventure. They're the first bride. And Jesus invests in them and loves them and walks them through hard times and corrects them, but also loves them and, and teaches them like that, that was the wrong way, Peter. This is the right way. But before he leaves, before he goes to heaven, before he takes on the cross, he actually tells the disciples that, hey, I want you dressed and ready for when I come back. And there's some ways that we can be dressed and ready. I'm preparing you for, for when, I'm, when I leave, I'm going to be gone. I'm not going to be in person with you walking through life. I'm actually going to be in the power of my presence. And there's going to be a lot of people that are going to try to lead you astray because I'm not there in person. So I'm going to teach you some ways to be dressed and ready for when I return. In Matthew 24 is what we're going to be looking at. Where Jesus teaches the disciples what's going to happen when he leaves. Jesus left the temple and was walking on his way when his disciples came to, up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things, he asked. Truly I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Every will, everyone will be thrown down. Every single stone is going to be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be a sign of your coming and the end of the age? So the disciples heard what Jesus had to say, and they knew there was trouble on the way. When Jesus says, hey, look at these temples, look at this whole city. There's not even going to be one stone on top of another. So the disciples understood, okay, this is about the prophecy of that, that there's going to be destruction. And so they understand that this is going to be a hard time. So, hey, can you tell us the end of this? Because we're kind of aware of that. And I love how the disciples come up to Jesus and they pull him aside and say, Jesus, what's going on here? 
You know, so many times when I read the Bible, I have to pull Jesus aside and say, Jesus, can you explain this to me? And you know that the Lord will actually explain his word to you. He's faithful to do that. So many times we run to different things where we're like, I don't understand this stuff. So the disciples didn't understand what he was talking about and want to know, hey, what's some more depth than this Jesus? And Jesus says, don't get hung up on things of this world. Because at this time, the temple actually housed the presence of God. And so Jesus says, you know what? The presence of God isn't going to be in a temple anymore, the entire city. There's not even going to be one stone on top of one another. So if your entire relationship with God is about this building, it, you're going to be really disappointed when none of this stands. What's going to actually happen is the presence of God is going to reside inside of you. The power and the presence of God is going to be inside of you. So there's going to be a time where none of the temples even stand up. So don't get hung up on things of this world. On the things that are physical. On the things that you can see. Don't get hung up on those. Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, and will, will deceive many. He says, watch out so that you're not deceived. Many will come in his name and say that they're the Messiah. And so the other thing that Jesus is teaching his disciples is that don't be married to somebody else. You know, because somebody else may come in Jesus' name and then all of a sudden you're married to somebody else and Jesus is here. No, that was never, that wasn't me. They're going to come in Jesus' name. And then he uses the word Messiah, which Messiah means the anointed one. So he's saying that there's going to be people that are saying that they're really anointed. So watch out for them because they're saying, are they coming in my name or are they using my name? Are they being used in the name of Jesus or are they saying they have the name of Jesus? They're the anointed one. Don't be married to somebody that you put your hope and devotion into that isn't Jesus. He says claiming, that they're, gonna, they're claiming that they are the Messiah. The word claiming means to plan, to, de, uh, to deceive. They're going to deceive many. Many will try to be Jesus' bride and put their hope in this. Put their hope in something else that isn't Jesus. Many will deceive, will be deceived. Many will try to deceive saying, this is the anointed one. This is what you're supposed to do. And it won't actually be biblical. It won't be God's word. I think a lot of us, if you've been following Jesus for a while and maybe you've watched some Kirk Cameron movies, you're thinking that the, the Antichrist is, is this person that's going to come as, a, as a, a person and is going to be on social media everywhere and everybody's going to be like, oh my gosh, this is the second coming of Jesus. But antichrist, what it means is it means opposing of Christ, in opposition of Christ, opposition of the Messiah. And many will be deceived by the antichrist. And so there's other things that are antichrist today that Jesus says, watch out for.
Antichrist, it could be making sure that we're always happy. That isn't necessarily biblical at all. It's not Christ-like. Christ actually says that you're going to have to take up your own cross and follow me. That there will be suffering, but I will be there with you. And so Antichrist could be, this is the opposite of Christ saying, you should always be happy. I don't know about you guys, but the longer I've been following Jesus, it doesn't mean that I always get my way. Anyone else? Amen? When you follow Jesus, it means that you slowly and surely surrender your life over to him more and more. And Jesus has more and more of your life. Jesus says, watch out that you aren't deceived. Think some things today that, that are deceiving that seem really good, but they're, they're just deception. Or using our bodies to satisfy our desires. Be deceiving. It feels good in the moment, and then, man, you feel gross afterwards. Or pursuing the almighty dollar. Seems really good. And then you find yourself, it's just never enough. There's never enough boats. There's never enough yachts. <laughs> you go from boat to yacht. Just, yeah. It's just never enough. It's never enough money. It seems really good, but it's, it's deception. Or... Making sure that we always feel good vibes. Basing our life on things that are out of the Bible, but make us feel really good. It can be deceiving. So Jesus says to the disciples, because he's there in person and can have this conversation, watch out. Watch out that your life isn't completely based on people deceiving you. I think um, if you've been following Jesus for a while, sometimes we, we shop and we look and we look and we look and we're looking for the right church to actually speak God's word the way that we want to hear it. And so we find that YouTube pastor that will say everything that we wanted to hear. Jesus says, watch out. Is he based out of the Bible? Is she based out of the Bible? Watch out so you're not deceived. Don't be deceived. Verse 6 says, You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nations will rise against nations and kingdoms against kingdoms, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. And all of these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over and persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. Jesus is telling the disciples, not everybody's going to like this. Not everybody's going to like what you're doing and you're following me and the, the direction and the plans that I have for you. Not everyone's going to like it. At, at that time, many will turn away from their faith and will be betrayed will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. 
Many people will turn away from their faith. So once again, Jesus tells the disciples, watch out, there's going to be a lot of false prophets that will try to deceive you. In preparing his bride, Jesus is teaching us that we will walk through hard times. And if our view of the Bible is that everyone that comes to Jesus, all your hard times are over. That only life is just happiness and happiness and happiness and you won't face any hard times. Then your, your view of your faith will actually diminish. And slowly but surely you'll find yourself not believing in anything. He says, watch out. So how is Jesus getting his bride ready today? How can we take these words from 2,000 years ago? How is he getting us ready, his church? He tells us to watch out, keep our heads up. All throughout the Bible, Jesus is teaching his disciples over and over again that it's his words that will last and nothing else will last. And so and the more we know his word, the more that we dive into passages, the more that we know scripture and we can recall it from our hearts, the more we won't be deceived, the more we won't find ourselves at the end of a, at the end of a um, alley of like, we pursued, we pursued, we pursued this thing and then it found, we find out that it doesn't mean anything. It's not satisfying. If we know the word of God, then, then we can have this hidden in our hearts. So then when something tries to deceive us, hey, you should be devoted to this. You should be married to this. When something tries to deceive us, we're like, no, hold on. That is not God. That's not him. That's not Jesus calling me into that. That's you calling me into that. So how does Jesus prepare his bride? We aren't hung up on things of this world. We aren't married to anything but him. And we watch out for things that come against us that want us to be married to, to it. So today we, we purposely held off for communion to the very end of the service. And the main reason is this, is I wanted us to take communion together as a church, as his bride, to just remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. In Revelations 19, 7 and 8, it says this, It says, let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. So what this means is that the church, the bride of Christ, gets to wear white on their wedding day. That there's no blemishes in our, in our gown as we meet with the groom. That we get to wear white, which means a brand new start. It means a brand new life. That we get to be with Jesus in white. 
That anything that has our, of our past is completely gone. And so when we take communion, it's not a representation or reminding us of what Jesus said to be reminded of. When we take communion, we put ourselves in the place of followers of Jesus saying, you know what, Jesus died on the cross for me once and for all. And he took all of my sin and everything away. And we get to wear white. Our relationship with God is restored and healed. And so I'd love for us to do that today, to receive communion together. Um, there's communion in the back of your chairs there. If you want to stand up with me, that'd be great too. Love to just pray over each thing, each symbol, just be completely reminded. But Jesus, we just thank you so much for this morning that every single one of us gets to walk in your presence, that we get to remember what you did for us on the cross. That every single thing in this room, anything from our past and anything from the future, Lord, that the power of sin is dead. And so, Lord, anything that's hanging on to us right now that just says, you know what, you need to do these requirements, you need to fulfill this, um, this, uh, these plans until you can finally have Jesus in your life. Lord, we just, we just choose to just believe that this is what you did for each one of us right here, right now. that we can take hold of the power of the resurrection and what you did for us on the cross, that your body was broken and beaten so that we can actually have a restored relationship with God the Father, that now we are called your children. We are called your bride, that there's nothing that stands between us and you. And so, Lord, even as we receive this today, that your word says that we are healed by, the, by your stripes. And so, Lord, I pray that you would heal some of those filters for some of us in this room that have been deceived from things that we've been taught over the years of religion and, and um, self-righteousness, that there would just be a healing over minds this morning, that we are enough. That we are enough to have a relationship with you. Would you heal that right now as we receive your body? In Jesus' name, amen. And Lord, we thank you that all of our sins are forgiven. There's nothing like the blood of Jesus that you forgave every single one of our sins, Lord. So I just pray as we receive this that we would just walk in freedom today. We just walk in forgiveness. And Lord, any forgiveness that we need to do, anyone that we need to forgive, Lord, we would just do that at this time. Just surrender them to you and just forgive. just want to invite you at this time to just like let this be a reminder that Jesus has forgiven all of us and so we can freely just hand that out just pour that out also just feel like there's some people I said this at first service but I feel like this uh, 
just resonates with this service too is that there's there's some of us in this room where you thought that you were going to be pursuing Jesus with somebody else, maybe a family member, maybe a really close friend, and they just completely walk away from God. And sometimes that's really hard. And I think one of the hardest parts is just being able to hand them over to Jesus, just saying, you know what, Jesus, I just trust you with their journey too. Another part of that is just being able to forgive. You thought that you were on this journey of faith with somebody and it's you today to just be able to forgive and just say, you know what, just forgive them. God, bring them closer to you. Use me to do that. So Lord, we just choose to forgive anyone in our lives, Lord, that we've been holding on to unforgiveness. We receive your forgiveness right here, right now. In Jesus' name, amen.